Okay, so... I don't even know what to say. Just so much. So much is happening in my brain stem right now. How about you? Yeah, I have the I have the same feeling. There's, there's a lot of a lot of reflection going on, right? Because I'm not going to get into it at this moment because it's the big deal at the end of the episode. But that thing was spoiled for me last year when I was writing about the show uh, on the regular almost every day. You just run across things, and I was just hoping and praying that it wouldn't happen. I don't know what I would have done had I not sort of had a heads up. I think I'd probably still be in a heap on the floor. I know it's a TV show, but yeah, this is a very emotional episode. I think all of them have been emotional. I don't think there's been one episode that's been a lull in the action, but... Today we're talking about uh, Beyond the Wall, episode six of Game of Thrones, season seven. This one was directed by Alan Taylor. And one thing I noticed out of the gate, you know, we go in the open from King's Landing to Dragonstone to Winterfell and then to the Wall and then Old Town. And then our next shot is um, this panning shot across the top of the Dragonstone table at the Dragonstone conference room. And we go directly beyond the wall where our Magnificent Seven are going. So I thought Taylor and the editors uh, did an interesting little arty shot there to take us to the heart of the matter. Yeah, I, did, I, I, it, I thought it was odd the first time we saw it, and then yeah. the second time I was like trying to figure out what it was. But then, you know, we discussed it, and I was like, oh, that's what that is. We spend a lot of time there, too, in this episode, because we're not really, we don't go to King's Landing. Um, we don't go to Old Town. But, you know, a lot of these things are sort of impacting where the shows go. The the opens are not literal to where we're going to be, but they do inform um, the elements. And, yeah, the characters you you might possibly be interacting with. And some details. Yeah, I'm sure there's it's embedded in there, but we're not going to – we don't have time to do all that. Let the nerds out there but, in the but, world. But, I mean, to some degree, though, we are those type of people who are just looking at every single thing. I guess so. But, like, again, I'm, I'm like a lazy nerd. I'll go, that seems interesting. I'm sure there's something going on there. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that to others to have the breaking story. So we, we do start out after that, that uh, Dragonstone table shot. We're literally at the place where the table is pointed out to us. And we've got the Magnificent Seven and company, you know, our featured extras, stunt man, men, guys. And they're walking across the frozen sunken place. Uh, to get this white sample for Cersei to show her stubborn ass that the White Walkers are real. And as we head into this, I was realizing, who's seen a White Walker? Tormund, John, um, has Ser Jorah. He hasn't seen one yet. No, he hasn't But, you know, he's seen had one. the grayscale, so he's, you know, he's not going to be hard to convince. Uh, Thoros. But he talked to he talked to Sam, and Sam has seen one, and I'm pretty sure they've had conversations. Yeah, they kind of he maybe he filled him in. But so Thoros and Beric Dondarrion and the Hound they haven't seen White Walkers yet. You know they're just holed up at the cell when they you know they haven't been beyond the wall as per se. So so it's kind of interesting this this group is headed off, and we have this this long journey to have some conversations between some characters that. They're not just jawing on the road trip. They're foretelling 
in these conversations. They're also just laying some things down. I think we talked about, you know, they're getting some story kind of sutured up in these conversations. Um, but we start off with a funny one because the hound is, is seeing this vision in the fire when he's traveling with, um, the brotherhood and he sees the arrowhead mountain in the flames. He sees an arrowhead. It's, and it's at the, it's at the house where he in Aria were and he robbed the farmer. And, and he, and yeah. Yeah. And because he feels sorry, I think the Lord of light honors him with this vision. That's how I took it to be. And so he's our, um, he's our GPS without the hound having this vision. We wouldn't be headed here. And as we go through these conversations, you'll see that everyone had to have their, storyline go off and someone had to have given their life or sacrificed something or whatever for this particular group to be here so let's get into what that means so first of all we have uh gendry is not used to winter he's he's freezing his flea bottom ass off you know no no coat is going to be thick enough for him and you know, Torment is over here loving it. He's he's happy to be back home. He's just, just like, I love it. And he thinks that Winterfell is like the South. And John's like, that's not even the South. And that's 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 Winterfell, dude. That's still that's the North. the North. And Torment's like, he scoffs. He's like, whatever. Um, and Gendry has never even seen snow before. So he's asking Torment, he's like, how do you live up here? Like, how do you keep your balls from freezing off? And Torment is like, well, you got to keep moving. That's the secret. You know, walking's good, fighting's better, fucking's best. And John's like, there's not a living woman within 100 miles of here. And the torment eyes Gendry and says, we have to make do with what we've got. <laughs> I think he's totally screwing with Gendry. Uh, I also think that Torment and the Wildings basically, in general, are a, a bisexual country. They're just like, hey, you know, whatever. We're cool with it. Um, so I think he's half kidding when he's eyeing. Didn't they Gendry. give? Didn't they give John the same shit when they had captured him? And they oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. yeah, they were like, "You, you pussy." Uh, so you know, and Gendry peels off, kind of horrified, and Torment says to John, "This one may be is not so smart." And we talk about what a fighter he is and what his purpose is in this is to be a fighter, and we think that's what Gendry's going to be doing in this whole thing, but. That probably that's not what he actually ends up doing. For round one. Yeah, exactly. For at least for round one. So John is telling Tormund that Danny wants him to bend the knee, and Tormund's like, Yeah, you've spent too much time with the free folk. Uh, now you don't like kneeling. And we go into this little exchange about uh Tormund says Mance Raider was a brave man, a proud man, the king beyond the wall, and he never bent his knee, and how many of his people died for his pride. And this is the very same thing that Danny tells John in the cave. Yeah. You know, you don't want to bend the knee, so you're cool with your people dying. And his whole thing is not pride so much as, like, these people trust me. They don't really know you. But I, this conversation is not just two characters shooting the shit. All of these conversations come back to what happens to honorable men. Because we have two more of these conversations on this road trip. Yeah. So this is the first one. And, it's, Rader, and it's sort of great guy. You know. It's a. It's a very. It's again, like you said, every one of these. These side conversations while they're trudging along, it's you have to really listen to them because I mean this this was something I did not expect from Torment. Right. You know, and then as we go on and we start talking to each one of these two groups, 
it's that same type of thing. Yeah. So, know? yeah, we get... Uh, it's like, pay the fuck attention. Right, exactly. And then, of course, you get Gendry bitching uh, to Thoros and Beric about how he was sold off. You know, I wanted to be one of you guys, but you sold me to the witch, and you don't even know what she did to me. She tied me to a bed, and she put leeches on me, and Hound's like, was she naked too? And he's like, no, you don't understand. He goes, look, you stop whinging. You're alive. They didn't kill you. And he's like, I'm not whinging. And he says, your lips are moving and you're complaining about something. That's whinging. And then he throws a thumb to uh, to Barrick and goes, this one's been killed six times and you don't hear him bitching about it. Now, I'm wondering why are we having these comedic moments? Uh, again, we, we don't have a whole lot of time in these episodes. Do you know what I think it is? It's because I'm seeing, especially with that one, that conversation and the Hound. I mean, the Hound has always been... You know, he was Joffrey's dog. He was this this larger-than-life thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in just the small, the small times we get to to hang out with the Hound, the last couple episodes, we're seeing a real humanity, humanity to him. Right. And, like, today, there was just, like, almost the most human, um, well, apart from his, and then added with his, conversa- well, his conversation with Tormund later on, we'll talk about, it's like, this is like a real dude, like yeah, you know. This is an office worker. I think it's funny. Uh, Hound finally made friends. <laughs> it's yeah. like the episode where the Hound made friends, and he's telling everybody, you know, to fuck off, and he's making fun of them and shit like that. But I think you know, it's like aw. Well, it's funny. It's like, and you have this. It's the, and, and you have this humanity about Tormund too. It's like, like what he did with with Brienne. It's like he she's sloughing him off and be like, dude, get the fuck out. And he's like. Yeah. yeah, and Which, the same thing with the hound. It's like, oh, you're me. I'm gonna, and he's just like a little puppy dog, just running out. Torment is him. the best in this episode. Oh yeah. my god, we're gonna get to some shit that Torment says. That Torment is like, can't we all love Torment. Come on, yeah. and I love the actor who plays him. I follow him on Instagram. We follow on, yeah, on Instagram. he's the most hilarious, lovely fucking dude, Kristoff. I can't say his last name. I'm sure it's it's very simple, and I'm just blowing it off. But I love Kristoff, uh, Christopher, whatever his name is, Torment dude. You're delicious. Um, I actually <laughs> probably have it right here uh, in front of me. Yeah, Christopher Hijvu, 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 I don't know. Uh, please forgive me, sir. I love you. It doesn't matter uh, how I say your name or not. So now we go to this conversation with Jorah and John, and John is telling Jorah the first time that he went beyond the wall was with his uh, father, Jorah Mormont, their lord commander. And Jorah, Jorah is saying he deserved a better son, and then he's curious as to whether John was with him at the end. And John tells him, I was a prisoner of the wildlings. But don't you worry, we avenged every one of those mutineers. If you remember, uh, Jorah, Sir Jorah, their um, Lord Commander, was overcome by mutineers at Traister's Keep beyond the wall. And John and his buddies uh, fought them all off and killed them all. But that's where. Jorah, Giorara, however you saw his name, J E O R, Marmont, Jorah's pop, perishes. And this is before John gets taken by the Wildlings, right? I think he was already a prisoner of the Wildlings because he said, I was a prisoner of the Wildlings at the time. So they roll, I, I'm trying to remember, do they roll up on these guys? I think, you know, I want to, I'd love to say I remember every single one of these scenes, but yeah, it was something like that. I think it's, uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I think it's something like that. But to to the the purpose is that you know, John just he hates the way that uh, 
the Lord Commander died because he was a good guy. Again, an honorable man trying to do the right thing. Uh, Joris says, you know, he would have died protecting all of those brothers. He loved the Night Watch, Night's he, Watch. He, he actually yeah. gave up his throne to go to the wall. Uh, what did we discover? So Joris' father gives up the throne. Yeah, he abdicates his throne and joins the Night Watch. Um, and he's giving he's giving Sir Jorah a, a space to rule Bear Island. Right. And Jorah, I think, actually is doing a pretty good job of it. But I think he has a greedy wife who likes shiny things. So he gets into the slave trade uh, to make her happy. Jorah is not really good at picking life partners. I can just tell you. No wonder he's in love with Danny when he sees her. He had that half a wife that got him in trouble. Well, his it- karma is... is- is friend zone for slave or for trading or selling lives. Yeah, I guess that's his thing. That's his karmic thing. You'll 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 be cock blocked for eternity. So then, you know, Jorah is is they're talking about their dads and then John says, you know, my dad was the most honorable man that I know, but he died at the executioner's block. Again, another story of an honorable man who tried to do the right thing and look how he died. Mance Raider. You know, Jorah Mormont, uh, Ned Stark. And this is this whole theme of this episode of being an honorable guy gets you where? Where does that get you? And just, you know, just because I don't want to lose that that point, jumping forward, Danny says the same thing later yeah. on in the episode. Yeah. You know. She says, do you want me to be honorable to Tyrion? Do you want me to be, do the right thing? Because you know what that gets everybody. Aegon Targaryen did pretty good with that. So in the rest of this conversation, Jorah talks about Ned, and he goes, you know, he wanted me executed. And John is like, oh, I heard. And Jorah's like, he was in the right, of course, but it didn't make me hate him any less. And John says, I'm glad he didn't catch you, and Jorah says, me too. We're also going back to this theme of if, then. If this would have happened, then that would or wouldn't have happened. So all of these guys on this journey. If, and then, yeah, exactly. These, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, if Jorah hadn't had a crappy wife, he'd be happily ruling Bear Island, you know, and maybe, I don't know, how things, or Ned would have lived, um, or if Ned had executed Jorah, if Tormund had been killed in the wars beyond the wall with the Night's Watch or what was going down down there, or Killbot, you know, any of these, one of these guys had fallen. If Brienne had killed the Hound... You know, you wouldn't have had these guys. If if the Brotherhood had of if Davos hadn't saved Gendry from the Brotherhood and Melisandre, if, he wouldn't if, be here. If the Brotherhood would have caught uh the hound. Exactly. Back in the in episode, uh season one. So then this next moment is interesting. You have John offering long claw to Jorah. So the handle's been replaced from a bear to a wolf, the dire wolf. And John is very sincere. He's like, Here's your sword. This belongs to you. Your dad was like, never thought you'd come back to Westeros. So he would have wanted you to have had it. And Jorah's like, it's not right for me to have the sword. He gave it He gave it to you, John. And John's like, well, I'm not his son. And Jorah's like, I, I brought shame into my house and I broke my father's heart. And I forfeited the right to claim this sword. It's yours. And then he says this really interesting thing to John. He says, may it serve you well and your children after you. Okay, now, as soon as he says this, I got to tell you. It was solidified later on. I kind of like, oh, yeah. 
two things happened in my brain when jo- uh, Jorah says this. A, I think he's accepted that he's not going to live through this fight. B, I think he feels uh, in his bones a future for John, and that John will at least live to sire a child or children, and that this should be in John's house for his, his children to come. So I see that, and I don't think John's even thought about wifing up. I don't think he's thought about like, even dating, even though he's hard eyeballing Danny. I don't think he's, he's got business to, to handle. And I think there's this moment of, oh, never even thought about that. But I do, I just, I just feel it all over Jorah. You know, he's going to sacrifice his life. He's, he's certainly making up for his dishonoring House Mormont by doing his part. So somehow in, in the, um, in this last, maybe not this last, this finale, but somehow in this, before the season, before the series ends, you think we're going to lose I don't want to lose Jorah, but. You know, this show is very kill, kill, die, die. I mean, more than the books even. So I just don't – I'd love to see Jorah just hanging out at the end and everybody drinking wine and we freeze frame and then it's like, yeah, you know, like the theme. They take the, the Lord of Three, the, the Game of Thrones theme and turn it into an 80s, like, song. But, you know, it's not going to happen. There's coconuts and hulas going on. <laughs> exactly. We all go to Hawaii. Uh, You're on trip to – Hawaii. We're all going back to Dorne. Um, John takes Long Claw back, and I, you know what, one, I think there's a pretty big moment that he takes it back. One thing is like because just looking at Long Claw, it's like I'm trying to compare it to the other House Swords. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Ice was this huge, huge broadsword. Yeah, I don't think you can you fight a battle with that sword. Well, I mean, you'd have to be able Ned to. Ned certainly did. I guess so. Ned killerized a bunch of people with it. And then, um, you know, the Sir Arthur Dane sword was he at, at the at the Tower of Joy? Tower of Joy, yeah. Was he fighting with Morningstar or? Yeah, he had Dawn. He had Dawn. Yeah, and it was pretty huge. He was also a two hander. He had two swords. I but don't know what his second sword was called. You look at at at, at Longclaw. It's like this sort of thin, yeah, like really quick wielding sword i have to say kit harrington is really good with that sword so yeah i don't know it's interesting just just the different makeups of the different types of swords well another thing that we have in this show is that just size really doesn't matter well yeah we're getting to that one so next we're at winterfell and sansa and Arya are just not they're not meshing uh aria has found this scroll that little little finger planted where sansa is like wrote and said, hey, you know, swear fealty and to it's Joffrey. And it's the, it's the same one that he had the maester get him, right? I think you don't think there was – because I think he said there was a switcheroo in there. I think it's a switcheroo. I think he – well, I think he gathered up several uh, ravens uh, from Maester Lewin. But this one in particular, he might have had Walken get. Because, again, Lewin had dirt on Littlefinger, and he's always doing the switcheroo and the double cross. But he meant for Arya to find this, and it's very effective. Uh, because Arya's up there monologuing to Sansa about how, you know, they're standing up on the wall looking down into the courtyard where they would train and fight. And she said, Father used to watch us from up here. And she talks about 
one day after practice, I think Bran leaves behind his bow and one arrow, and, and she's like... I could totally see Bran just walking and leaving his bow in the care. dirt. Yeah. You know? He's just... It wasn't about it. You know? Three-Eyed Raven don't have to like learn how to fight. Want to climb. And when he wanted to climb. He was climbing the towers and, you know, doing all the stuff. But she takes this one a bow and arrow, uh, this one arrow, and she... She fires it at the bullseye, and you know, and she says about the twenty or fiftieth time, she finally like nails it. And Arya's like, and then I heard this, you know. And I looked up, and he's standing right there, smiling down at me. And I knew what I was doing; it was against the rules. So he was smiling, and this told me that I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. The rules were wrong. Then she says this to Sansa: "I was doing what I was meant to be doing, and he knew it." Now he's dead, killed by the Lannisters with your help. And she shows Sansa the scroll, and she starts reading it to her, even though Sansa's like, you know, hey, man, I don't need to hear it. And Sansa, Arya just won't stop. And Sansa's like, look, they forced me. I was a kid. And Arya's just not having it. She's she, not buying this. She excuse. broke out that. Uh, what do you think, Lady Mormont would say? Yeah, you know, she if. Well, she goes through the whole paces of. Uh, you know. I think both sisters say you would have died if you were in my situation. Yeah. And, and I think that's true. I think if if you had switched roles, would Arya have been able to survive what happened to Sansa, and would Sansa? Uh, been prepared to go through what Arya did. I think in either cases, they both would have perished. Yeah, I see Arya would have probably, it would have been like, a, I'm going to go down. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to kill me. Right, and she would have, and she would have, she wouldn't have lasted. And yeah. I think the same thing with Sansa. She would have not. She would have just been killed. <laughs> she would have just been, like they both would have perished. Okay, so I think they're both right in their, their kind of pissing match here. But Sansa is more arrogant about like, look, you wouldn't, you need to kneel down before me, girl, because if it weren't for the Knights of the Vale, John lost that battle. They were done. Then the Knights of the Vale rolled up and saved everybody's ass because I wrote to Littlefinger and I made this alliance. And so you need to be kissing my ass because we would not be standing here in Winterfell if it weren't for me. And Arya kind of brushes that off and, and she's like, well, I guess we'll never know. You know, who had it worse. But then she's like, she's just like boring into Sansa with her eyeballs. Like, what are you scared of? And she's like, you know, if John saw this scroll of your allegiance, he'd forgive you. He's John. He'd be like, oh, you were just a little girl. Yeah. But you're scared of what these northern lords would think of you all kissing up to Cersei. And then Sansa's like, hey, dude, do you see what's going on right here? Cersei would love for – she'd love to see this. She'd love for us to be fighting. She would be loving it right now. And Arya just won't let it go about the Northern Lords. You're afraid of that. And then she says that line of – what would Lyanna Mormont say, say about uh, – Mormont say about you being a child? Would she think, you know, it's cool? She was younger than you at the time when you and wrote the scroll. And she's ruling. And Yeah. Yeah. But I was just a child. And Santa says, you know, you're angry. Sometimes anger makes people do unfortunate things. And Arya snaps right back with, sometimes fear makes uh, them do unfortunate things. Fear makes them do unfortunate things. I'll go with anger. Yeah. So we're, this tension is building. Littlefinger has, he's winning. Well, it's like, you know, it's like Sansa feels like 
you know, she said, you know, John lost the Battle of the Bastards. I mean, it was it was a it was two large forces going yeah. against each other, and that's all that for the most part that they've they've been accustomed to. Um, she rides in with her big force, the Vale, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost as if Arya is telling her, "Look, you don't need all these men to win." You know, she took out the phrase "one person." Well, see, Sansa, brought down the house. Sansa does not know. She doesn't. At this point, she does not know. What. And I find it interesting that Arya hasn't told her that I avenged our entire family. You would think in this pissing match that Arya would say, by the way, you know what I also did for the fam? I killed all of the fucking Freys. Yeah. And the dude who ordered the execution of our mom and our brother and our sister-in-law. That would have been like we were watching um, – um, uh, uh, what's her name when she's watching Leslie Jones? Yeah, and she's like at the at the barbecue. I got raped every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean we would be. It would have ter- been in that. I would have been blurting this. Yeah. I would have led with that. Hey, by the way, you know, killed. You know, totally took revenge on the family. I so. saw him eat his kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> I forced him to there eat his kids. Yeah. I was like back there going. <laughs> and she doesn't even do it later. Anyway, no. so but we're beyond the wall again, and uh, we have Tormund and the uh, the Hound are now squaring off. And Tormund is, he's like that happy, big, doesn't take a hint. Uh, he's a wildling. He doesn't have social cues like they do in the Westeros. And he bounds up to the hound and he's like, yeah, you're the one they call the dog. And the dog's like, you know, fuck off. <laughs> and they told me you the were dog. mean. Yeah, he's like, let's be friends. They told me you were mean. Uh, were you born mean or do you just hate wildlings? And he goes, I don't give two shits about wildlings. It's gingers I hate. And it's like... Then he says, gingers are beautiful or kiss my fire, just like you. And he goes to touch the hound's He's like, wound. He points at him. Yeah, right there. <laughs> and the hound is like, you know, were you pushed in the fire? No, were you, you were burnt because you're mean. And he goes, I was pushed in the fire. And Tormund sums it up pretty quickly. He goes, I don't think you're fucking mean. You have sad eyes. And hound turns around and is like, you know, are you into me, dude? Do you want to suck my, my dick? And Tormund's like, what do you mean? Dick. Cock. And Tormund, learns, he learns a new curse word. I love that, like, Tormund's like, ooh, <laughs> dick. I like the sound of that. That's pretty cool. He says, but no, sadly, you know, like, not even sadly, but no, I'm like, no, dude, I'm into pussy. And he talks about this would-be girlfriend at Winterfell. And I he got starts my lady like, back at Winterfell. Oh, man, I have a beauty waiting for me. She's got yellow hair and blue eyes, the tallest woman I've ever seen. And the hound whips around and goes, are you talking about Brienne of Tarth? He's like, do you know her? And he's like, so you're with Brienne of Tarth. And Tormund's like, well, not yet. But you should see the way she looks at me. And the hound's like, oh, like <laughs> she wants to like cut out your liver and eat it. He goes, oh, you know her. That is so hot. <laughs> and Tormund's just shaking his head at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Tormund dreams of having children with uh, Brienne. He's like the, having these great big monsters who are going to conquer the world. <laughs> and you know, they probably would be too. And the hound's like, how did a mad fucker like you live this long? And Tormund's like, oh, I'm good at killing people. Probably one of, I don't, there can't be really a best scene in this episode, but it is just seeing the hound and Tormund yeah. like, well, see, I mean, this is going back to last week is like we get all these characters finally together. And this is what you're going to get. 
you're going to get some really cool conversations. It was awesome. By really tough guys. Yeah. I you loved know? it. I loved every second of and it. And if Egret was there, she would have been able to keep up with every single uh, one of them as well. With her Northern you know? accent. So great. So we're at Dragonstone, and Danny and, and Tyrion are talking by the fire. And a couple of things that happened out of the scene. Tyrion is telling uh, Danny that John is in love with her, and she's like, you're out of your mind. He's like, yeah, I guess he's just looking at you longingly for this military alliance. And she's uh, blowing this off. And then she says something like, John is too little for me. And, and Tyrion's like, excuse me? She's like, I, I, look, I you don't mean it that way. You know, uh, you're a brave guy. But then they kind of get into it. Uh, Tyrion is telling Danny that she's impulsive, that she's got a temper. And she's like, when did I lose my temper? And he said, well, here's a good example. The Tarleys, possibly you should have killed the father and let the son live, put them both in a cold cell and let them think it over. And they get into that pissing match you were talking about, like about Aegon Targaryen didn't do that. And aren't most wars, uh, you know, without mercy? Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I have to say, like, right now, I am falling on the side of Daenerys. I mean, Me too. It's just like, because it's true. Every single thing Tyrion has said, it's been the wrong strategy. I won't Up even to point, point to current clim- climate right now where I'm thinking about this in the country. You know, it's like, I don't really agree with certain groups like going out and kicking ass, but then sometimes it's necessary. But then when you, But then you look at it again, and, you know, it's not, it does not go without cost. I think they're both right. So, I mean, is is it – are you supposed to, as a ruler, as anybody, let's just in life, are you supposed to be able to cut down the middle of everything? I mean, is – It totally depends. I mean, I think you have to take it – Because I take both of these guys' sides. I mean, I mean – I do too. I think – I don't but think But Tyrion keeps being wrong. He's batting a thousand, and I think that's what's not helping his cause. It's like – but he does say something really – important to her he said you know she goes it sounds like you're taking this side of you know our enemies and he's like you need to take your enemy's side you have to anticipate their actions you have to think like them you have to look he says to her you know so okay after you break the wheel how are you going to make sure it continues to stay broken okay and then he goes into this next bit about encouraging her to see who her successor is going to be and she does not like that at all She's like, what are you talking about? You, you've been thinking about my death these days a lot. And he's like, you really need to be thinking about your successor. And uh, she's like, I'll, I'll think about that when I'm wearing the crown. And he's like, and I think Terry, you know, he's seeing her right into fucking battle. He's like, you really need to put your mind to this for a second. And she's, he's like, you can think about adoption. You can think about appointing someone. You know, look at the way they do it in the Iron Islands. People have ways of doing this. And she's just, oh, she's not, she's not into that suggestion. It's almost, it's almost as if, you know, like, like each single party is, they have their strategic moments and then they're just absolute failures. And that's just, you know, that's normal. Not unlike. Yeah, it's normal. Regular people. it's, It's interesting to see that because it's like. Like I said last week, can everyone just take a winter trip up north to Winterfell and hang out with Bran for a little bit? You would think so. And get some perspective? <laughs> right. But then the show would be over. Then, yeah. Then, then the show done. would be over. Yeah. It'd be like it'd been done. Episode two, <laughs> season seven. 
So now we're back at the the wall. There's this blizzard that's bearing down on them. As you get closer to this arrowhead and you're closer to the heart of where the Night King, uh, his holdfast is, you're going to see uh, more of this kind of weather. And then we have this White Walker bear that attacks, and we lose an extra. Uh and there's this great shot of the, the group forming this circle, and you got yeah. Thoros and Barrett with their flaming swords, and it's just a great overhead shot that I appreciated. It's like, this is the poster for the movie if this had been a poster. So, uh, but Thoros gets attacked by this zombie bear. He gets janked. And because it's on fire, the hound freezes, and not for nothing, because the hound froze... You know, it kind of seals Thoros's fate. Yeah, he I got, think. Yeah. But again, I think all of this is prophecy. Now, I think all of these things are meant to happen. But he doesn't die right then. Uh, Beric seals his wounds, and they move on. They have you kind of have this exchange between Thoros and Beric, like, oh, this is <laughs> this funny old life. You know, look what just happened to me. I just got attacked by a zombie bear. They've seen so much together. Um. And I really do like Paul K as Thoros. I was like, oh, I just know you're going to fucking die before this episode is out. Uh, so now we're back at Winterfell. And you we got- should have had, like, like, you know, odds on who's going to – bets on who's going to die on this one. Yeah. I was sort of in an informal death pool for a while and oh. got out of it. Too time-consuming. Uh, so now we're at Winterfell again. Sansa and Littlefinger are having a chat about um, Arya's scroll discovery. And she does tell him, you know, I'm worried about the North finding out. You know, they, they're not really good with their allegiance right now. John's wrote off. So their allegiance can be flexible. I don't think this will really help. And Littlefinger goes to work on her. He convinces her to get Brienne involved. Um, and it, this is an interesting thing. Um yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what. I kind of have the a theory, is. but you know, before we go to that theory, you know, when they did the the recap, the you know, last time on Game of Thrones, we had who's you know, we had Littlefinger suggesting to Cersei that Sansa write this letter. This Absolutely. was way back in season one in yes. King's Landing. Mm-hmm. So it was like at that point in time, was he like? I think I might be able to use this somehow, somewhere down the line. Yeah, he's an opportunist. Like, I'm like, holy shit, dude! That's like, he like doesn't, long game. He's not Bran, but he does. He is long game guy, and he's also an opportunist. When he sees Arya roll back to Winterfell, he sees an opportunity to pit these two against each other. He, if John had stayed, he would have pitted John against Sansa. Um, he's just he's always he's already told. Sansa exactly who he is and how he plays it and I don't understand how Sansa is falling for this shit that's why I'm like kind of, that's why I was like saying it's like you know maybe this is another switcheroo thing you were thinking that I was thinking that because I was like why is she falling for this again and she, when she even told like when she told Bran about the you know getting the knife from Littlefingers like he never does anything out yes. of kindness. So on one hand, she seems to be super aware. On the other hand, she seems to be super falling for it. It's very frustrating. And I don't know if that's just uneven writing. I don't know if you're right that Santa is also playing a switcheroo on Littlefinger. But or, you're aware on one hand, well, and then you're like taking his counsel on the – and you're you're actually sitting there in 
confiding in him because obviously you can't confide in your, you know, assassin sister. And maybe that's why Arya said you were stupid enough. I mean, she's she's like, you're stupid. You are stupid. You fell for that shit. You know, you believed this entire time that if you wrote this note, you would save dad's life. Come on. Um, And maybe, you know, Arya's just there to get Sansa woke so they can. Join together. Hopefully that's well. I mean, we've got a whole season eight to, to do shit. I don't think we're going to kill these two characters in the season finale. She should she should wake her up in like five minutes. You think so? One scene. Yeah. Because like you said, there's not enough time to do all this. Get woke already, girl. Get woke. Get woke, Sansa. Um, so now we're back beyond the wall, and um, Mormon and Thoros are having this talk about charging the, the breach at uh, uh, at Pike, and I won't go into this because we don't have a whole lot of time to discuss. But I just looked at Thoros's face, standing there, kind of paler next to to Jora. Although Jora does have a beautiful, you know, southern tan, uh, I'm like looking at Paul Kay's face, who plays Thoros, and I'm like, oh, this guy gonna die. Um, and while they're sort of talking about this, freshly cured of the grayscale, <laughs> right? Tormund hears something, and they spy this undead army that's walking through the mountain, uh, this ranging party, I guess, if it will. And they set a trap. They put a fire out for the White Walker general to come and find, and then they ambush this ranging party. And in this kind of very quick battle, uh, John kills the general, and all of them shatter to pieces except for one. Still confused about how one of them survived. And not all yeah. of them dying. Well, like like he said, maybe it's this guy made. He was like the father vampire, I guess. And and this guy was just like a replacement from someone else. I don't know. But yeah, but the thing is, like I thought when when they were fighting at at Hard Home, and John had the Valyrian steel, and that White Walker came down with his sword, and they. Clash swords. Mm-hmm. Didn't that White Walker sword shatter? It did. So how is he fighting with another White Walker and that sword doesn't shatter on first impact? I don't know. I don't know if it shatters on first impact in the hard home battle either. Well, maybe not. Maybe when it hits, it hits the body. Maybe that's Certain I'd have ring. to. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I think it's the same difference. Okay. Although I do have a theory about all of the White Walker generals. They all seem to be. The same kind of looking guy. I think these are Craster's children. I think the ones that are uh, they were taking the, all Craster's baby. He would sacrifice them. There's 99 of them. Yeah, all the board, uh, the boy, uh, the boy sons, boy sons. <laughs> all the male children were taken and given to the White Walkers, and I think they would raise them up to be these generals. So I think the Night King, all of his generals seem to look like gingers with long skullets. Well, how would he do that? I mean, would they? I don't know. Would he? I don't know if they, you know, you think that they're little babies, they stay babies. But I think there's a difference between the Night King's generals and the actual whites. I think there is a difference in them. There has to be because just looking at them, they yeah, all look exactly the same. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're 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 not all decayed and right. You know, they're they've got they're intact. They're intact, like the Night King. So I think they're all Craster's children. I think there's no accident that Gilly has his 100th son. Craster's son. I think all this stuff is going to tie in together. Or not. But that's what I'm thinking. So now the... the uh, so Got the, nine episodes to do it. <laughs> so the horde comes over uh, to, toward our heroes, and they run across this frozen lake. Now, by the way, Gendry is told to run back to Eastwatch because this horde is huge, and he's the fastest one. And uh, 
Tormund grabs Gendry's warhammer. Gendry leaves it behind reluctantly, but he just takes off on foot for Eastwatch. And we're running out on this frozen lake that's not quite solid, so it's giving way, and our group makes it to the middle of this lake on this little berm, this little rock island thing, right? And all of the White Walkers are falling in and can't seem to... I mean, they're not good in water. At Hard Home, we saw that they didn't jump in the water and go after the guys on the boats, or, or this would be over with, right? So they're not so good in water. They can't swim. Well, they kind of can swim because can a they? couple of them popped up later. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the mechanics of the show. We gotta, you got to suspend your disbelief to a certain degree so we can get this thing done. Um, so back at the island, um, they're surrounded, right? And so the, the army has stopped attacking. They're just standing there silently, and they're completely ringed and surrounded as these guys are sitting here um, at the foot of this Arrowhead Island. That was kind of nuts, too, because they're running. You see them running, and then all of a sudden they have this profile shot, and you see them running on the side of them. And it's like – I was like, oh, my God. Are they going to fucking surround them? Yeah. And they just like – they knew this was a little lake, and they were just like – and I think these Battle the, of the Bastards ish. The whites are being controlled, uh, mind controlled solely by the white uh, king, the Night King. They're, they don't think for themselves. I think they're all remote control, and they're he's, collective. Yeah, and he's just making them hive perform. He knows what's coming, so he's he's set this ring of whites around our guys, John and the gang, and um, it's you know night starts to fall. So I think the Night King is like, we'll wait and see if they freeze to death. We'll wait to see their next move. Or the Night King is like Bran and sentient and knows how exactly what's going to go on. So at Eastwatch, we have uh, Gendry. He collapses outside the wall. The wildlings who are managing uh, Eastwatch run out with Davos. And Gendry manages to sort of cough out, we need to send a raven. And... Davos screams for the maester. And then we come back to this, our frozen island, and the hound is uh, kicking the white, you know, because he's the white is growling and snarling at their Cersei white sample. And he kicks him, and they all react. All of these white walkers are yeah. reacting. So then, you know, again, they're just, the show is reinforcing they're all connected. Yeah. So if you do one thing to one of them, they all feel it. Um, so then we discover that Thoros has died in the night. So that's a wrap on Paul K. I loved you as Thoros. And he got an off-screen death, but they did give him a few interchanges on the way. When you have a character interacting and having like their moments, you're like, oh, you're going to die. So, Well, I mean, but at least yeah. he got, you know... Apart from the bear attack, you know, the hound even said this is probably one of the best ways to go. You I guess. die in your sleep. Sure. So he, he got a good death, at least for him, but, you know. And then they have to set fire to the body, so they dump his own wine on his body. And they use the flaming sword, even though John has to wrench uh, the wine uh, bag from the hound's uh, ha- hands. And the hound, I don't know, this is where the hound needs his ass kicked, because is he bored? Is he just itching for something to happen? But he throws a rock and it nails a white in the jaw and knocks his jaw off. And then when he throws like the second 
rock. He picks up a bigger one. It bounces off the lake, telling the whites now that the 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 lake has frozen back over in the night. He's like, oh fuck. So you know it's taken overnight, and Dwight and a couple of them start testing the lake to see if they're going to fall in. And sure enough, this sets off this big charge, and these guys are screwed. We're down to what a handful of guys. You got what seven, eight, nine guys, and we lose a couple of extras in this fight. But they're just fighting. Toros, uh, Tor- uh, not Toros, but Beric and uh, Jora and Hound and John and Tormund. It, they're just fighting their guts out. They're just going to town. And the two extras. And the two extras died gloriously. That don't make it through the scene. And uh, we see um, I mean, I'm kind of like jumping around, but because we don't I'm, I'm, this Winterfell scene where uh, Sansa's summoned. We'll get there in a minute. So this whole melee goes back, and it is it is getting so completely out of hand that uh, John is like, "We got to fall back. We're losing this one." Like the Hound has to save Tormund. He gets surrounded. Yeah, that I, I oh I totally thought we were gonna say goodbye to Tormund. Yeah, I don't because we I mean, wouldn't have stood for it because we were like just two episodes ago. We were like, "Oh man," just in our own backyard ramblings. It's like. Man, what if what if we lose Tormund? What's that going to be like? And then this happens, yeah. and they're like, what the fuck? I don't think we can do it. I mean, I don't even think I ever want to do it, but I just wasn't putting it I'm so glad it didn't happen. Yeah. But the Hound saves Tormund because we had this earlier exchange of like, fuck off, and now you know he saves his ginger friend. Um, and we are literally seeing these guys about to perish when the dragon rolls up. It's, it's Danny with Drogon. Um She's. We've had a scene earlier where um, Tyrion's like, "Please don't go." Yeah, if you die, then everything is lost. Everything is lost. Don't do this. And she's like, "What do you suggest I do?" And he goes, "Do nothing." Sometimes the best thing to do is do nothing. She's like, "I'm sorry. I, I did nothing in the past, and it, it fucked us. So I'm not going to do nothing uh, ever again." And flies off with Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal to after she's gotten this raven from. The guys saying, "Come and come and save us." So, sure enough, here we are. It's that that wonderful eleventh hour. The show's really good at this. It's dawn. The whites have them cornered. They're about to be swamped. They're like, about to be totally crushed. Yeah, totally crushed. And Beric has even suggested earlier that John should go and just take out the Night King. And, and John does say something like, "You don't understand." Yeah, I wonder what that meant. I think that he knows there's a bigger war to come, that it's not just that easy. Um, I think he understands the Night King better than anyone. Because theoretically, also, if you kill the Night King... It'd be over, probably. Wouldn't it be over? Sure, but I think John knows a little bit more about battling the Night King than just this. I think he knows that... I think he feels that prophecy in his bones or soul, or maybe Sam has actually told him something about this war to come. But something instinctively in John is like, I can't just go up there and kill that guy. I don't think you understand. So there's something to this. Well, plus he's got a fucking scorpion as an arm. That's true. I mean, you can't just walk up to the dude and, and go hand-to-hand battle. You're not going to be. Not one guy's going to be able to get this done. So. And then Darren was like, well, both of us came back from the dead. Maybe we can... We can do it ourselves. Like, but John's like, I just don't think it works that way. Um, I think he knows something that we don't know. Uh, 
so Danny sure enough shows up and they're getting everybody on board. We got our white sample. We got Jora. We got Hound. We got um, Barrick. And, um, and all the guys are jumping on board. And John sees that he's about to get on Drogon, but he can't. He almost takes Danny's hand first aboard, but yeah. he sees that he needs to fight these guys off so they can get so everybody can get on board. Else up. So he stays behind to do a very Starkish. And she has, and they do a cutaway kind of look thing. of her doing like, what the go, hell, what man? Doing, man? Get on board. And because of this delay, um, and the fighting off of things, we see this was the thing that I read last year that broke my heart. I was like, please don't let this be true. But sure enough, I think I told you earlier in the episode, I think we took a break to have our Chinese food. I was like, I just, I think this is going to be the episode that Viserion is killed and subsequently turned. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, it just, it fucking sucks. He straight up javelined Viserion. Yeah. With and his, you just see him just... With his ice sword, so... It goes into the water, and okay, so John never really makes it on board uh, Drogon, and Rhaegal and, and Drogon are able to fly away, yeah. and he falls into the icy water. He like he like tackles a bunch of guys. Yeah, or they and, tackle him, right? Or they tackle, and they just yeah. they, it's like a diversion, and they, they just, pull him underwater. Yeah. So Danny like flies off. Not only has she lost Viserion, one of her kids, she's lost this man that she's she's her feelings are waking up. Like, as soon as she gets on the back of Drogon and flies off for John, I think she for sure knows how she feels about this guy. Um, and it's not just, you know, I'm saving Jorah, you know, my, my heart and soul and my night. She has, I think, her purpose to, is to all of these good men are, are putting their self in harm's way. So she is a good queen is going to go save their lives. With Tyrion saying, you know, you shouldn't really be doing this. And she's like, fuck it, I'm doing it. She's got some balls on her, okay? Um... So here's John. He's out there by himself. Drogon's flown away with the gang and Danny and Rhaegal's taken off. And of course, I think Drogon is just heartbroken as he's flying. You know, he's lost his, when his, he loses his brother, he just, we feel his pain. I'm screeching with you, Drogon. Yeah. That Viserion has fallen. It was just like, fuck. I was crying. I'm, I cry at the show. I was bawling like a baby. Is it worse to lose a dragon than a, like, Dire I think it's fucking equally. I mean, if you all of those things like Hodor, a dragon, a direwolf, yeah, I feel those equally. Those just kill me. This felt like Hodor died all over again. It just fucking sucked, you know. So here's John. He's he's out there on his own, and these white Turner men are like, "Oh, this dude's still here," and they are making their way to kill the king in the north. Uh, when who rolls up? Who rolls up to save the day? But Benjen, Uncle Benjen Coldhands, um, who's served his purpose. He's half dead, half alive. He's uh, right there at that moment. Saving a Stark. Saving a Stark, saving his nephew. And because uh, Benjen's role is to A, get John to the wall, accompanying him to the wall, making sure that Bran gets back to the wall from beyond the wall. And now he's here to save John, um, to do his part. And he's very much resigned as he gives John his horse. He's like, you know, John's like, come with me. He's like, nope, there's no time. 
And he's kind of known all along since the children of the forest saved him from a White Walker attack that this is basically what my life's purpose is. Again, everybody has a role to play, so here's his big role, right? And I think he's probably ready to to die. Um, I think one of the creators said this actually after the episode, so it wasn't entirely my thought. He was like, yeah, he's probably like, you know, I'm living over here in the shitty weather. Um, I can't really die unless it's at the hand of one of these guys, so let's get to it. And so as John's riding off and looking back behind him, here's Benjen just completely surrounded uh, by White Walkers. And that's the last we see of Benjen, unless we see him as a White Walker on the battlefield later which would totally suck. Um, now we're at Eastwatch, and Danny has returned with Drogon. Drogon's ranging beyond the wall. He's crying out. And at first I thought, well, Drogon is, um, he's crying for his fallen brother. And that's how I was taking this moment. And Danny's, you know, obviously shook and very upset. Uh, at, at having lost Viserion. But then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. She's standing there with Jorah. She's actually mourning John, and she's reluctant to leave. She knows Viserion's dead. And Jorah's like, we got to get out of here, and she doesn't want to go. It's almost as if she's, like, waiting. Did he make it out? Exactly. Is, is he going to be? Ish, yeah, exactly. And he's like, just a little bit longer. And Drogon's doing the same thing. Drogon's doing the very same thing. Drogon is... Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm totally misinterpreting this moment. These two are like actually searching. They're they're waiting for is he uh, going to be returned? Uh, so that's that's how I was taking that. And and sure enough, you know, we don't have to wait too long to to see what happens. Uh, John rolls up on the back of Uncle Benjamin's horse. So hopefully, um, does a horse get to come inside the wall? Is the horse all half magic, too? I don't know. Maybe it's just a practical horse. I think it's just a normal horse. I hope that horse got some hay and got to hang out because he's been hanging out with cold hands all this time. So we're on the ship, and uh, John is basically frozen to death. Like When he, ro- when he comes up on the back of Benjen's uh, horse, he's not conscious. He's just sort of flopped over the horse, right? Yeah. So Davos is peeling off it's his like frozen clothes. Frozen. Yeah. You can it's hear like- it crack. <laughs> It's like fuck. And here, Danny gets to see these these deeply embedded knife marks into John's chest. And she wouldn't let it die. It, it, I mean, yeah. she was like, they made it a point where she was asking two episodes. Yeah, what, about this whole knife in the heart yeah. thing. And then I think she sees because here's a woman who's given birth to dragons. Here's a woman who's walked out of you know fire. A couple of times. Here's a person who's done many crazy things. Like she's going to be a believer. She's going to go. This guy straight up came back from the dead. That's nuts. And I'm like, where are your short jokes now, Danny? He fought off all those whites with his not huge ice sword. And look at this, right? Well, huh. it's not that. It's 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 not it's not long. It's not as thick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to have this conversation? No. Okay, so uh, Winterfell. Um, Sansa is uh, searching through Arya's things, and she's thinking she's going to find that scroll, steal it back. And she pulls out Arya's, you know, little valise, and she finds (laughs) these two human faces. And she's like, what the fuck? And there's people who are arguing, like, whose faces are those? I just think they're – I don't know that they have any significance. Uh, I'm sure they do. One felt like it was one of the old women. 
Uh, it could have been Walter Frey. I don't know. It's, I thought the second one she pulled out looked like old Frey, but yeah, it could be or you know Marion Trant. I don't know. Um, to me, that's great. We'll find out later if those faces have significance. But for me, I think th- I felt like because we didn't focus on them too much because the camera didn't linger, that it was just like I have faces, and for Sansa to go, what the actual fuck is your deal? And they get into this really uh, steely, deadly standoff where Arya is just straight up threatening her. So, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. There. I, 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 I mean, it's, it seems as if... I think it's just strange that Arya would fall for such a thing as Littlefinger leaving a scroll behind. And that's why I, I just I want to think... I think there's... I mean, just to, for at face value... There's not enough time to go down this rabbit hole if it just means this. Right. But then again, the, everybody's a human being. You know, we can sit here easily and second guess the show every single uh, but it's, I mean, it's week, like, but we're not sitting in a wider, writer's room with knives yeah. to our throats. So I guess I mean, it just, it's because it's like, you know, like Cersei is, is playing this whole um, sort of, you know, Game of Thrones, small minded Game of Thrones. Sansa's yeah. playing it. And at one point, I thought Daenerys was playing it until she saw the what's going on up north. Yeah. So, well, you, but I don't know again, what goes on. down in the scene, it's like that Arya wants her to play this game about faces, and Sansa's like, "I'm not playing this fucking game." Seriously, can we talk about the faces? And she goes, "I was training to be a you know a faceless man." And she's like, "Again, what the fuck does that mean, dude? Like, who are you?" Yeah. And Arya says, "You know, you wanted to be a queen. I wanted to be a knight." Uh, we never really got to choose because girls don't get to choose. But with the faces, I can choose. I can even be you. And she goes, all you have to do is, like, study someone's face. You know, all you have to do is kind of, like, figure out who the other person is. Uh, because that's part of the whole gig is, like, how do they operate? How do they move? How do they breathe? You to make a study of them. And she picks up the cat's paw a dagger. You know, Rhaegar's dra- a dagger, by the way. That's totally Rhaegar Targaryen's da- a dagger. And she makes her way to Sansa, who's like, oh, shit, I'm about to duh. And she flips it over and hands her the actual handle. So something, this whole, there's something going on here, man. Yeah. But if you also, it's a scene that we skipped over, but uh, Sansa has received a scroll, a raven from Cersei saying, come to King's Landing. Is that actually coming from Littlefinger? Has Littlefinger sent a raven to Cersei? Saying, please invite her. Oh, see, I didn't even think of that. This is your way in. You know, he's just playing all sides. I don't think he's loyal to anyone. Did he Did he let Cersei know you should do this at this point? Um, because there's disarray here. Shit's going down between the Stark sisters. John's not here. This is the kind of shit he would do. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, Cersei's also, I mean, they've she's supposed to meet with Daenerys. So maybe this might be a big old leader of the house convocation type of thing. It could be. Yeah, it could just be let's all like have a big treaty thing, big treatise. I don't know, an armistice, you know, dinner. So we're at the Targ ship and we're going to, this is what we see Donnie, uh, Donnie. It's going to be, can we call it Donnie? Are they Donnie now? Is that their ship is name? That, is that what it is? <laughs> Generis? I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's all kinds of nicks that are out there. But we see Danny and John make it official. They are totally sprung on each other. Um, he starts off by, you know, he's shirtless in the, you know, in the fur bed. That's always like precursor to sex, even though you're half dead. 
And he feels really terrible about Viserion, and Danny is obviously very, very upset. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could take it back. I wish we'd never gone. And she's like, I don't, I don't. Because if, I w- if we hadn't have gone, I wouldn't have seen. And you have to see it to know, and now I know. And then the next thing she says is, these dragons are my children. They're the only children I'm going to ever have. Do you understand? Yeah, that was like... Before we even get into anything, before we even hook up, just know one thing. I can't have your kids. Um, And then she goes into, just know this one thing, though. We're going to destroy the Night King. We're going to do it together. And you have my word. And then he th- he says, thank you, Danny. And she's like, hmm, Danny, huh? Well, I guess we're on these familiar terms. Well, my brother called me that, so maybe not. And then he's like, well, how about my queen? And she's looking at him like, what does that mean? And he's like, I'd bend the knee, but, you know, kind of can't stand up right now. And she's like, what the hell, you know? I think at that moment she's kind of shook. I think she's totally shook. He's not only, you know... Do we have these feelings? And I'm telling him, you know, I can't have children. He's like, I'll go one further and bend the knee. You know, this is foreplay between these two guys. Um, this is Targaryen foreplay. This is going to be funny because somebody, a couple of comedians uh, online were saying this. Like, you're going to, they're going to be like having sex for the first time and, uh, you know, probably at Winterfell or somewhere. And then Bran's going to kick the door in, in his wheelchair and go, hey, by the way, John. <laughs> That's your aunt. Anyway, um, so I have a theory that I want to share right here. I know we're at one hour, guys, but if you're still with us, I think this is – I'm saving some juicy parts for the last. You can even skip around in the show if you want to to hear us whinge on and on and on. I'm not whinging. Yes, you are. Uh, I have a prediction, and I I only had it until I saw this scene last night where obviously we've been talking about fertility and the future and um, children and, you know – possibilities that people haven't even thought about, you know, dawning feelings and prophecies. So I thought, you know, we've always heard about the three dragon riders, taking that to be that there are three riders for three dragons. Well, now we have two dragons. So what had occurred to me last night with all this talk and this longingly look between the two of them is that we do have uh, three dragon riders, but they are in my mind in the form of uh, Danny and John have a dragon apiece to ride but the third dragon rider is John's baby inside a Danny. The third dragon rider. If she can truly have. I don't know. The witch told her, um, you won't see your baby or Drogo until the, this, what is it, the sun rises in the west. the west and sets in the east. So I don't know. I, th- I still think that Danny's been told by uh, that witch... As as Zeus, whatever, Madeir, <laughs> I can never remember her name. There's so many names to remember. <laughs> <laughs> the old witch lady that she might have faked her out and saying that you can't have children, but I think when, when fire and ice, ice meet, fire and ass meet, uh, when Donnie hook up. Fiery ass. <laughs> fiery ass. I don't want to get into their business. Uh, but I think when Janaris hooks up, there's going to be a baby uh, out of this whole situation. And that's my theory about the three dragon riders. Yeah. yeah. I was reading this thing because I was looking up at the same thing, and somebody was saying, I, don't, I can't remember what side it was, but 
they were like saying, "What can can Bran warg into the Ice Dragon?" God, I hope so. You know, and so is that like because it was going to be the. It was not only was it. We'll get to this next part. So we see all the whites pull Viserion out of the water because he's dead. But see, then he would have. I mean, because if he can see everything, he would have warged into the bear, and then. So I mean, that's you got all these possibilities. Mm. If these isn't you know. See, so here's what I think about that. So we see the whites pull Viserion out of the watery depths, out beyond the wall, and the Night King goes and kneels in front of him and turns him into an ice dragon, turns no. him into you know this nuclear weapon, if you will, that blue eyes that's going to shoot. And so why doesn't he just get on the back? of Assyrian and go and just blaze through the Seven Kingdoms and just turn everybody to ice. And I think why we don't just have like the really boring two-second, you know, episodes of Game of Thrones is that, pardon my little hiccup in the middle of that, is that Bran and Sam and John to some extent know that this has to play out. That you can't force it. That you can't just run up and kill the Night King. You can't just have Bran, like, texting everyone and going, and you're a Targ, and you're a Targ, and this is what's going to happen. I think everybody has a role to play. Also, do you really want to see just a 20-minute episode of Game of Thrones where it's over in two seconds? But I think that's why these things have to unfold in a prophetic way. Every single thing that's happened on the on the show, at least, and it's well, and in the books as well, has a purpose to it, has a meaning behind it. So, even w- with the Sansa's, with the Stark sisters fighting, it's like that's they're not just giving Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams, you know, business to do to keep them on the payroll. That the show is expensive. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, we're trying to figure out. What what is that the end? What is that end game? End game with this? Well, this I think whole it's going to culminate in Littlefinger getting you know killed. I think all this shit, this deadly game that he's playing, is going to end with one or both of the Stark sisters getting uh, their revenge on Littlefinger. And then there's going to have to be the coming together because we don't have time in season eight for this bitching and moaning to keep going on. No, we just don't have time be, for it. It's just going to be, you know, battle after battle after battle until yeah. something breaks. The Starks will have to be united, and I don't see them killing off, you know, a Sansa or an Arya, you know, in the next couple of episodes going into season eight. Well, okay, so going into, you know, the season finale next week. Yeah. You know, we know we're down in Link King's Landing. Mm-hmm. We know, I think, Daenerys is meeting with, Cersei. We see armies on the field. Armies on the field. We see the Unsullied. We see the Dothraki. We see the Lannister army. They roll up with the two dragons, mm-hmm. all the armies. Yep. And this White Walker. Yeah, the Hound is going to uh, take that over in the rowboat and go, here you go. Is this enough to convince? I don't know. But <clears throat> here's the Lannister? question everybody's been asking for, you know, season after season. Is this Clagan Bowl? The hound is going back to King's Landing. The mountain is reanimated. What's going to happen there? Are we thinking we're going to see this big, huge thing? Or do we? See, I mean, we're going to see a lot of things, but man, it's going to be interesting to see if this is finally Clegg and Bowl time. I don't know. No, it feels to me that the, all the, all the Southern Kingdoms have to be united. 
Or perish. Or perish. It's I going mean, to be, I think it's going to be Danny's choice. What she did at the Rock symbol- symbolically with the Tarleys tells me this one thing in this next episode and in the finale is that we don't have time for you to sit around to get to know me. You can either believe Cersei or you can come with me and do the right thing and break the wheel or you can fucking die. Well, but the only difference between that that and, and this next episode is that she still had her mind on the seven ki- – at the beginning of this episode, she said she still had her mind on the seven kingdoms. Right. I will not pick a successor until I have the crown. Mm-hmm. After that, the, 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 the frozen lake, priority has changed. Absolutely. She's told them, we, are, we will defeat the Night King, you and I. Right. So it's like – While telling her new you know, boyfriend that she can't have kids. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. thinking about all of this. So, I mean, that's what she's going to – she's not going to – I don't think she's going to go down to – to Cersei and say, look, you know, I'm really the rightful and have that kind of conversation. She might not even be about that. She might, it go, might be like, hey, you know what? You need to get on board you or you're going to be dead. You can have the Iron Throne. Take it and shove it up your ass. Great. Uh, we're going to go over here and save the rest of the world. You know? So what is then? Okay, so if, if that happens, so that vision of her walking through the Red Keep, is that ash or is it ice? That's a good question. You know, it's, it's a very good question. It all depends on how Cersei responds. Because yeah. Cersei's not holding all the cards, but she certainly has um, a say in how this is going to go down for her and the people of King's Landing. Yeah. And it goes back to those conversations between Tyrion and Danny, where he's like, you got to think about this. And she's like, I have thought about this. And he's like, yeah, but you have to think about it this way. And she's like, yeah, but I have thought about it this way. And it's like, am I going to treat and have a conversation or am I just going to kick some fucking ass? You know, he's like, we need to think about this. Yeah. And he's been wrong, but he's also been right. And she's yeah. been wrong, and she's been right. So Varys is saying she won't turn into the Mad King unless she has, you know, good counsel. Good counsel will save her from becoming Ares, her pop. So we're going to see how this plays out. We know that Cersei is petty and mad and uh, deserves her death, whatever that's going to be. She, and, and I she's don't know ready, that we're going to see that. She's ready to die. I think she's ready to die, too. She's... She's definitely at that place where she's like, I've got a baby to live for, but she's so go-down-with-the-ship kind of person. She ain't giving anything up. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting, this finale. It's going to be explosive. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have to wear a diaper. So that's it. I mean, there's threats out there that uh, these hackers who have hacked into HBO are going to uh, release the finale out ahead of it. I don't know. if, if <laughs> I think for me, I can wait six days. I pay for HBO. I'm not going to watch any uh, clip. Also, why don't you spend your time hacking, like, for good? You know? Instead of screwing up with people's, like, television show. Why don't you... Yeah, what are you fucking with HBO ha- for, you hack, hack into the fucking U.S. government. Get this shit over with. Um, so, yeah. So, hopefully you guys... If it gets leaked, I'm not watching it. I don't know what you guys are going to do. But uh, it'd be interesting to know what people's theories are out there. There's Everybody's got one. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got thoughts. Uh, thank you for for listening to our thoughts and our theories. And if you do have your own, uh, you can find us on Twitter as uh, Ashland Podcast. We're on Facebook as uh, Ashland, Ashland Podcast. We're one or the other. I don't I can't always remember these things. I'm really terrible at marketing. But um, Can you Google us? I, th- I don't know. Are we Googleable? I think we're Googleable, yeah. Uh, but we are not Ashland Baptist Church. If you go there and you're uh, trying to get some juicy Game of Thrones information and they, they, they're talking about something completely different, uh, just know that we're not Ashland Baptist Church, although I'm sure they're awesome. 
So, yeah, thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter and check us out on Facebook. Uh, let us know what you think. Be kind. Um, we don't even go there with the, the bullshit and the jerkiness, uh, especially these days. Will not be tolerated. But we'd love to hear what you think about the show. And if you have your own theories, man, bring it on. We got one more episode. That's it. And then we've got to wait a year. Oh, God. Right next fall, I think. Yeah, they're gonna shart. They're gonna shart. They're gonna shart. We're all gonna shart. I just did. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, they're gonna start shooting word on the street of Flea Bottom. Is it gonna start in October um, of this year? Shoot through the winter in production. Yeah, and they're going to be out September 2018. Will be when the season eight premieres. So yeah, there you go. That's not so long. It's okay. Maybe a lot of things will change uh, between now and then. <laughs> we have a lot to celebrate or cry over between now and then. But uh, And you know also coming up in October, we'll be doing episode by episode of Mr. Robot. So that's going to be fun. And at some point, when we can make sense of it, I don't even know. We'll probably do a Twin Peaks, uh, just one on all 18 of those episodes because I don't even know. I have no idea. Isn't it weird, like, watching Game of Thrones and then we'll turn around and watch, like, Twin Peaks on Sunday night, and I'm like, I don't even, this is not even, this is so strange. Well, I was like, I wonder, it's like, okay, does does David Lynch watch Game of Thrones? I don't know. You know, like, if, if, you're, if you if are. If he does, he doesn't give a shit about the, the yeah. <laughs> storyline roles, because he ain't explaining shit to you. Yeah. You're still meeting new characters in, like, episode 14. So, yeah. I, you know, and he are, does, he's and just are, doing are, his are own the, are thing. guys at Game of Thrones watching, uh, it's, you know. It's I would like, think that they would. I think those yeah. guys would watch Twin Peaks. I don't know. David Lynch just doesn't give a shit. No. Well, like George Martin doesn't give a shit. He's like, I ain't doing anything you guys are telling me. There's a suggestion that he make the, the, the show be the books. And he's like, I'm not doing any of that. You don't, you don't tell me what. But it is so trippy to go from this really intense, we have all these theories about Game of Thrones, yeah. to sitting down with Twin Peaks and going, I guess I'm watching this happen right now. This is weird. Although I, I do enjoy well, it. Well, isn't, I mean, isn't the fandom of Twin Peaks I mean, just as big? I mean, aren't they doing their own theory? Don't they have their own Reddit oh, theory yeah. things they're and just, Tumblr they're all over it. I mean, it's, stuff? it's insane. I'll have to look at all that stuff because oh. I'm like, I want to watch all 18 and kind of figure out what I think before I look at anybody else's theories. I don't like to adopt other people's theories as my own. It's not how I go. Are we going to binge watch the 18? Boy, yeah, we'll get some liquor. We'll do that. It's just really intense and dense. But I think it would be really more enjoyable to watch it um, 1 through 18 all together. And maybe it'll make more sense or we'll just realize it is what it is. Because we know David Lynch is not doing uh, another one. He's done with Twin Peaks. All right, so that's it for Game of Thrones uh, Beyond the Wall, Episode 6. You guys have a good week. Uh, Take care of yourselves out there. Yeah. It's crazy.